When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, Christopher Bell here. Thanks again for tuning in. Much appreciated. Always you listening. Um, so we're going to get to the this episode's interview soon. Just wanted to say uh, I released one of my short films, Muhammad So-and-So, on Amazon. And you can watch it um, for free. If you have a Prime account, you can watch it for free. If you don't have a Prime account, you can watch it with ads. Please do, and please leave me a great review. That would really help getting the word out. Um, Only the greatest, most eccentric reviews, positive reviews, please. Um, Okay. All that house cleaning is now through. Let's get to the interview. Hi everyone, Chris Bell here once again. Today I have very special guest, great filmmaker Alexandra Niemczyk. Hello. Hello. Thank you for coming on the show, really appreciate it. Thank you for inviting. Of course. Um, so let's start off very general and uh, let's, let's tell the audience um, how you got into filmmaking. Um, I guess I always wanted to study film and make films. And uh, when I was, I don't know, 18 years old, I wanted to go to New York, to New York Film Academy. But um, then because of a lot of factors, I uh, couldn't. So I chose to uh, go to fine arts to do painting and lithography. Um, but then somehow always working with like small animations and um, film in very experimental and independent studio uh, way connected to my paintings. And then um, at some point uh, I was able to fulfill that dream and go to New York and study and start to study in New York Film Academy to find out if, if I really want to do it. And that was that was it. Mm. What made you want to come to New York? Yeah, because you were you were from Poland, correct? Yes, uh, yes, uh, I'm I'm Polish, uh, living in Norway right away, but uh, right now. But um, uh, what made me want to come to New York? I don't know. I I have some um, family story connected to New York that it's uh, now long and maybe not for this <laughs> moment. But my, my Grand grandmother uh, was living in New York. She came on the boat from Poland and um, established herself there. Had um, um, husband and three kids in Poland in uh, in New York, and then she came back to Poland and had my grandfather there. So that was the only child without an American passport. Mm. And uh, how I was uh, trying to trace her. Uh, steps reconnect with the family and uh, study film in the same time Mm. so it's interesting that you said that you are a painter because a lot of um at least the work that i've seen that you've done is in the vein of slow cinema and you can kind of draw or like it's in it's sort of in the same circle as like uh being a painter and doing slow cinema you kind of hear that a lot can you do you see like the connection between those two, like, and how your mind works when you're on a film? Like, are you pulling from like the painting background as well? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I work Im- with image, and image is my first tool of narration. And uh, I start to write script from from image, from painting or drawing, and some visions of uh, of scenes. 
and uh, I work with my own scenography as I would uh, do with a painting, creating a space in the frame with color and structure and space and so on. So um, all, all my all my films are born from uh, work with visuals, with painting, with yeah, with image. Mm. So it is uh, it's very connected. And um, <clears throat> sorry, um, being in all these different countries, kind of hopping around, how do they influence you, or how does even traveling so much and living in different places influence your work? Uh, I don't really, know. I don't really know, because it's like somebody from outside could observe it and connect all those things. Hmm. But I guess it uh, makes uh, makes stronger this detachment from reality, and maybe that's why I don't do documentaries and I avoid uh, uh, documentaries and reality. And uh, somehow my films are always in this in between mm. uh, world. Hmm. Maybe that's how it uh, reflects on my art. Gotcha. Um... And you're living in Norway now, and we talked a little bit about this before we started recording, but um, just in terms of like what it's like to make a film in America, I wanted to know how different it was to make a film in, you know, let's say Norway or Poland, um, where as far as I know, there is like sort of, I guess, national programs to help you do that whereas we don't necessarily have that kind of thing like what's that like um i think because i made films in new york short films and i made films in norway but and i made films in uh, bosnia um and france and so there's always uh, programs and funds in america you have uh, lots of art funds and uh, like um studio funds and um, there's lots of opportunities as well it's just uh, not uh, connected to like uh, government grants whereas in uh, Poland or Norway it is uh, film institute that is uh, that have some kind of programs to support uh, filmmaking and it's sometimes you get lucky and um, you get some support and you can uh, yeah have a some budget for the film with art films it's always difficult when it's not commercial cinema release plan then it's always difficult but sometimes i was lucky and i was uh, getting support uh, to experiment and make my films i don't know if i answered your question but i think it's uh, uh like in norway there's not so many uh, private uh, funds and private investors but then in america you have those so I think it's comparable. Uh, it's as difficult everywhere to do art cinema. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, we kind of have, like, this rosy picture of, like, being in a country with a film institute and having them uh, be able to help you. Um, and, yeah, I know that... No, it's super... No, go on. Sorry. I, I, I think it's difficult because it's so... It's a, it's a big competition and it's so many talented people here and... Uh, um yeah lots of different projects gets uh, funding so not always uh, your project gets funding sometimes you need five years to pull it together um so i think it's it's like less commercial more difficult mm. anywhere in the world mm. right and you think the or or have you noticed a difference in like i guess the process in general of like applying for this kind of assistance or is it pretty much all the same it's all the same i think that it's uh, i mean as as an artist and focusing on that part of uh, filmmaking um yeah i just want to express my project the best way i can and then there are other people like producers who are that's their job and they i i i try to focus mainly on the artistic side and my um, work as a scriptwriter or director. Um, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Um, in general, 
who would you say, what are some filmmakers that you really like that you take influence from? Uh, oh, it's hard to say because I go through different phases of being in love with the filmmakers. Um, mm. I, of course, love uh, Barajanov and uh, Tarkovsky, the Russian and Georgian filmmaker. And then um, from Polish uh, filmmakers, I would say um, Majewski and Żuławski, um, of course. And from uh, filmmakers that I was um, uh, lucky to uh, experience, I mean, as my teachers, it's, uh, of course, Apichapong and uh, Belatar. Oh, so you were, so you went to the, uh, sorry, I'm going to call it the Bellatar school, but I know that's not the, uh, the name. Um, the name is Film Factory. It was a program. It was program of Bellatar in uh, Sarajevo Film Academy. The program is, was called Film Factory. So it was like a lab for, uh, filmmakers, uh, to develop their films, but it was also like, uh, education. Right. Right. And, um. So that was like sort of recently, right? Because a Peter Pong only came for like one year or so. Is that correct? No, uh, he was there. I think two or three times, or maybe two, two times. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, and it was recent because it's the program lasted from two thousand and twelve till yeah, like recent. I don't remember exactly when it was. Uh, well, I, my generation left, and then it was a new generation, and then, um, yeah. Gotcha. Can you talk a little bit about that school and, and what it was like? Um, for me, it was a wonderful experience because uh, the constellation of people that came, students, were uh, wonderful uh, talented filmmakers and uh, we all became like a family uh, of friends uh, making films together and yeah just experiencing all this together and then the guest lecturers that were coming were like amazing contemporary art film uh, directors and um, yeah it was like a bouquet of uh, fantastic personalities that we could uh talk to and listen and uh, consult our projects with. So yeah, it was a wonderful experience. And what was their mentorship like? Mm, well, Bellatar was like a, a mentor for our personal project, which was like one big project a year. And then from idea development and script and then location and casting and everything, we were on like weekly basis, we were consulting that. And then um, the guest lectures, we were just showing, we had like a, a sessions uh, all together, talking about film, watching films in different contexts. And then we could have like a private sessions about our projects. So hmm. it was pretty uh, open and uh, informal and um, yeah, like warm and human. So that was a good experience. Mm. Yeah, it just sounds really free and, I don't know, fun. Yeah, there was no, like, frames for... The, it was not like a school. It was more like a lab for uh, just development. So it was, um, yeah, very creative and everything in context of art, cinema, and, uh, um, yeah. Um, so before you had gone to school, you had made this film, uh, I think the earliest that I've seen that you've made called hide and seek. Right. Is that correct? Um, can you just quickly tell us what that's about and why you did that particular idea? Um, this film was uh, born from idea of a film installation that was, I, I didn't know yet that I'm going to be a like full filmmaker, I was like a video artist, and uh, uh, it was like separate film installations. And I was working with the very talented photographer Anya Niemi, and we were co-creating this whole project together. 
And um, a friend of mine, uh, a producer, saw it and he said that uh, if it's co- if it's compatible the the scenes and I and it looks like it is, I can try to get funding from Norwegian Film Institute. And that film, yeah, I was lucky to get help uh, to fully to have a full budget. And then um, this film went to Locarno Film Festival, so it was. Uh, Kind of a good story, hmm. good experience. Mm-hmm. And um, like, can you yes. mm. can you give like a quick uh, synopsis? Yes, this film is like um, a variation about different stages of being a woman, and uh, like a change that the transformation from a girl to a to a woman through some uh, traumatic experience, and you know. Um, seeing things and then uh, um, it translates into two girls uh, experiencing a house full of ghosts that are representing different stage of being a woman and different trauma is very symbolic and very visual and uh, there's no language just music and uh, image mm. yeah man i loved it uh i also i saw a little um you know, probably because you're using ghosts and in a house and stuff like that, but there are definitely some at least subtle horror elements in it. Excuse me, I didn't hear. There are at least some at least subtle uh, horror elements to it. Right, right. Um, yeah, yeah, like a little bit of uh, fear and uh, uh, yeah. Not if it's like unknown and a little bit, yeah, a little bit scary. But I don't know if horror, but like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's yeah. the tension of like obviously there being ghosts in the house, but with your idea, as in like um, these like children witnessing the various stages of of being a, a woman, like growing up and stuff. There is that kind of like tension and fear inherent in that idea. Yeah, like with growing up, so that's like yeah, it is. It is. I I agree. There is this feeling there. Hmm. Hmm. Is this something that you would? Because I, I kind of see Centaur being a little bit haunting as well, and you know maybe similar ways. Uh, is is this something that you would ever do? Like lean more towards that kind of genre, or no? Um. The thing is that I'm always uh, interested in dreams and in like paranormal events and um, stories that people claim they hear voices or, or see ghosts. Not necessarily that I believe in them, but uh, that I find it interesting that, um, yeah, there is people experiencing that. And um, this kind of uh, lucid dream where everything is possible and uh, logic is um, not real. It's very interesting for me. So, um, yeah, I'm going into that direction kind of consciously um, and choosing this kind of a uh, stage between being awake and being asleep and having that kind of logic which allows ghosts and and uh, mysterious objects and mysterious uh, creatures. Mm. Um, yeah, and I, uh, yeah, I enjoy films like that as well. Yeah, I mean, like we were talking about a peach upon that's like a big thing in his work too, and I can kind of see the similarities between his stuff and the way you use them in uh, hide and seek. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it's in the feature of, too. Like, you know, touch, we cannot touch, and it's just like on symbolic level there, but not there. <laughs> so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so next I think would be, at least that I saw a centaur, which is on, um, you could watch that on Tao VOD. Yes. The Tao film uh, platform, online screening platform is, uh, distributing that film at the moment. So. And what, in the same way that you did for hide and seek, could you tell us why you did this movie in particular along with, um, like a brief pitch of the story, like what it's about? Um, So I did this film because I was supposed to, like I was looking for um, 
a personal uh, story in my in my I don't know childhood or what I experience in life, and this is a, a story of my uh, grandfather. Uh, he was paralyzed by polio in 1953 I think it was like the epitome in the world and um, then I abstracted this into some this uh, tale um, of two people where that are struggling to love and to be loved when the body is uh, paralyzed and how it uh, deals with the relationship and so there's some little memories from my childhood and and then some, yeah, thoughts of of me remembering it or like replaying it in my head how it was, but it's based on a dream and memory more than facts. Mm. Uh, so that's it's like a personal story that is mythologized and made symbolic. Mm. I'm curious how you put together your scripts. If you could, if you even know how, like, I don't know if there's like a process or if it just comes to you, but, um, um yeah, it's a, well, it's always like an, um, I like a, like a vision images that comes first to me. And I know I have some, um, story that it binds them together. That's, uh, usually something personal that I want to talk about or something uh, that it interests me a lot and I'm being fascinated which is also making it personal uh, and then um, yeah I, I draw a lot and, and, and I make sketches of the scenes and then um, when I have like many little papers then I add words and uh, put it together into a script hmm. Hmm. Oh, that's really interesting yeah I can't draw at all so like <laughs> I would can it's just the you know we're just being told that we can because we com- compare ourselves to like I know other people but everybody can draw it's like a first way of communicating mm. I think well thank you I'm yeah. definitely gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna do it more now <laughs> exactly it's a habit also and uh, you know yeah and this film was the one that was in Film Factory? Yeah, this was the first film that I made uh, in Film Factory and uh, yeah, under mentorship of Bellatar and a uh, few other um, professors that were coming and um, with amazing crew from Film Factory. Mm-hmm. The uh, DOP was um, Korean film director Kim Nam-suk uh, and uh, all the other... <laughs> crew members was they were directors my friends mm. we were helping each other so uh, yeah amazing atmosphere on the set and great experience and what else did you make while you were there or like what were the other projects um so this was uh, like a 50 minutes project first year and then i did uh, two short films one called rasmak which was uh, uh yeah variation about um Sarajevo, like a postcard from Sarajevo. And then I made a film called Investigations of the Dog, based on, uh, um, or inspired by uh, Franz Kafka's story of the same title. And then, as a last uh, project, I made a feature film, Baba Vanga, based on a um, Balkan prophet uh, who predicted the future of the world and the end of the world and so on. So, yeah, two kind of longer films and two short films that I made there. Mm. Um, so we have to now go to Baba Vanga, which I love. I couldn't believe it. Blew me away. Fantastic. It's so great. Thank you very much. Let's just get that out of the way now. Um <laughs> So this was the first project that I wanted to do in Sarajevo, actually. Um, that was the first like subject that I was investigating when I arrived. But I didn't know how to uh, approach it because I didn't want to do um, documentary, mm-hmm. like sensational documentary. Um, but then I didn't know 
with the very little means that that I had. Uh, how can I uh, tell that story? But then I realized that I don't really want to tell this story as um, facts and, you know, biopic. I just wanted to show Baba Vanga how I imagine her. And then in the end of, uh, of uh, the film factory, I met the main character, uh, the actress, um, and um, I saw Baba Vanga. So then I thought, oh, I have to make that film now. Mm. And uh, after some conversations with her, it was um, she had some links to this kind of um, visionary being or yeah, prophet. And then. Um, and then I was looking for a location. She, she brought like physicality. She brought her body into my idea of, of how Baba Vanga looked like and how her uh, everyday life and her environment could be. So that was what this intimacy. I, that's what I was interested in. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I was looking for locations and all the other, other uh, elements of the film. Yeah, and then uh, that was my last project in Sarajevo. Yeah, it's but such a. Sorry, what were you saying? No, I'm saying that sometimes you have a project or idea of a project, and then you investigate the subject and things around it, and then it's not happening for years, and then it's the right elements comes in the same time, and then you can you're able to make the project. So that's what happened with with uh, Baba Vanga. Yeah. And that's always like, there's something like really exciting about that, obviously, because you're going to make your film, but it's like, it's, it's a nice surprise when you're like working on something and you feel like, man, this is never going to happen. Like, I'm never going to be able to do this. And then things, you know, the stars align, as they say. And, uh, yeah, it's, a gift. it's like a gift that you get. Everything is happening for you to, to make that work. Yeah, totally. Mm. And, uh, and it's also, um, yeah, it's uh, because yeah, I had some kind of like fascination about. Um, I, I have fascination about people who claim they see things and they can predict the future. And it's um, for me fascinating that they are a little bit outside the society and they usually like uh, uh, quite lonely as as people. And then they have this very rich, complex world within, and then they claiming they hear all these things. And then they have this devotion to say when the world will end or, you know, always um, predictions. So um, so it was uh, important for me to somehow uh, lock it in this little house of Vanga. Uh, yeah, um, that's something I wanted to touch on too because you have this character, this real person, but in your film, you have this character that is, uh, she has this ability and she's seen like hundreds and hundreds of years and like has seen, you know, devastation, all these like crazy evolutions and stuff. And I wonder, I wondered if, you know, marrying her and that idea of her to um, slow cinema, like, I was thinking of how perfect that was because of like what it must have felt like to get all these visions, these crazy, like intense visions and to marry it with slow cinema and the way that you wanted to do it. It was like, you were kind of slowing things down for her almost like you had an interest in, um, at least like in a lot of like the beginning parts of the movie to focus on sort of like the, the micro of her life, like the mundane, like, cleaning up part of the house or that she was in or like putting up a desk or something like that. Um, was that something that you were going for or did I just kind of like, um, no, the, the point was this, what I was saying that I wanted to show this, uh, Baba Vanga as a human, as, a, as, as not as this, uh, visionary, which that's what, uh, I don't know all the articles and books and internet and videos are focusing on, on her predictions and what she was and who she was like after she got this gift. But for me, it was interesting of, well, 
or how she was when she was uh, private, just a woman, you know, in mm. her in her space. And I wanted to spend time with her, so I wanted also my audience to spend time with her without fast forwarding and without uh, feeding information. More like just seeing her and having time to observe and breathe in the same tempo she was breathing, instead of having, you know, uh, yeah. Information, information, information. Just wanted to be with her in her house. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, like, for kind of this, uh, using this kind of character, it's like, it's sort of, you can go like a sensationalist route and it could be like really, like, exploitative. But um, right. She, right. she is still a person. She's a human being. And I, I really love the way that you did it because it brings that back down again. It's like, she's not a character. She was a person. So yeah, right. Right. this is, you you take away that part where, like, you know, it could be, like, super sensationalist. And then, and that would be to the detriment of the audience because they wouldn't be able to take, take it seriously at all. Yeah. Like, it would be, like, junk food yeah. or whatever. It would be just another film and, uh, and uh, not my film, so... I'm sure, yeah, it could be also, you know, very good and, and fascinating, but um, I was, I just, my interest was more with her as a person and then the prediction in abstract way, as a person who sees the future, not necessarily focusing on prediction and making people believing in them, because, you know, it's uh, questionable, of course. Mm. So, I, yeah, it's more like a following the human than her prediction. Right. And and how did you decide to use the like the few quotes that you did use in the movie? Like which ones did you choose and why did you choose them? Oh, the predictions. Yeah. Well, I was uh, I, I it was very important for me to choose some things that uh, people say that it happened because she was talking in riddles, so some things you can interpret that happened, but also to choose those that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. To balance it, to to show that, you know, you can choose what to believe. Um, yeah, and basically, I was choosing more of those that were like a riddle and poetry, uh, because in the end, it's yeah, it is a poetry she was she was making, and people read into that. Mm. Gotcha. Um, so, is this some? Is this film? Uh, still playing now on the festival circuit or anything? Yeah, this film is still have festival uh, um, time, so soon it will be uh, on some uh, also online uh, uh, screening, oh, sorry, what's the name, online platform for uh, Cinema On Demand. So for now it's still uh, in festivals. Oh, but it, it will be released online, you said? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. In the autumn, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Then, all right, everybody, put this on your radar, and uh, I will remind everyone to watch this because it's really great. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it's, a, it's a special film. It's for, you know, since it's slow cinema, it's a different type of uh, tempo and breathing, but um, I'm so glad that there is a niche audience who are uh, looking for this kind of experience, so... Yeah, I will uh, try to uh, distribute it somehow so it gets to the right audience. Yeah, great. I hope everyone will check it out. Mm. And uh, so I I looked briefly on IMDb and it told me some things that may or may not be true um, concerning like new things that you're working on. Yeah. And um, so I read that there was one something about like a someone getting eaten by a crocodile oh, that's the old uh, project that see that's what i'm saying that with art uh, art filmmaking it's um hard to finance things and mm. then uh, projects that you work can uh, be in a storage let's say for a long time until the right circumstances comes together so this is a project that i was developing with polish producer it's based on Dostoevsky's novel, The Crocodile. Hmm. 
and um, it's an abstract uh, kind of story about um, small town people who um, and politicians who take over the local uh, government and you know it's very it's very uh, it's very funny and political but abstract uh, story so I hope I will get to uh, adapt it sometime especially that is very um, contemporary to what is going on now in the politics uh, wherever you see in America or Poland or um, yeah so it's kind of a caricature on the contemporary governments as well as it was back then when Dostoevsky wrote it. Mm, yeah, no, it sounded awesome, and I was like, I really hope that's that's the one that's coming, because, yeah, it would totally be perfect. Um, uh, yeah, but I'm working on the um, exciting project right now that um, it's going to be made, I think, in September, or shot in September in uh, in France, in uh, in Bush, I, during the artist residency, so it will be more of a... A sound and image uh, film, um, yeah, based on like traumas and the, and visions that are triggered by uh, traumas and different psychological uh, problems. Um, yeah, oh, cool. so that uh, that's more like a very visual, very like a, more like a painting of a film than mm. a, a narrative uh, storytelling. Gotcha. So all these, um, so you've been part of this school, and now you're going to be part of like a artist residency. Um, how does one do this? Like, are you are you looking for these kinds of things and then applying for them, or do they come to you? Like, how does this work for a filmmaker who might want to do the same thing? Yeah, it's uh, you have to uh, look for the deadlines and uh, or uh, institutions that are having residency that would fit your profile or what you want to do and and if they have a open call or you can contact them directly and uh, yeah create the project you know description and I don't know images and and uh, sometimes it somebody gets interested and helps you uh, produce it so um, there is opportunities all over uh, right now in uh, you can opportunities for artists and filmmakers. So it's just to be active and send things. And you know, most of the times you get rejection, but uh, the times that you get acceptance and help, then you are um, able to execute your projects. So just to try and be active. Mm. And how do you deal with rejection? I guess like everybody else, <laughs> it's uh, it's nothing pleasant. But I got used to uh, knowing that some, you know, like there's a different audience and there's different taste, and then um, I don't take it personal because uh, I know that um, sooner or later I will meet people who will talk the same language and be interested in the same things, and we can make that project then. So I learned to be patient and uh, and believe in my projects. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it gets so, I think, difficult, um, I guess, talking, like, as a, as a filmmaker when you make your work and then you are, where do you go? Like, you would send it around to festivals and stuff. So, like, unless you're very, very lucky, there is, in that little... Uh, part of your life there's going to be a lot of rejection that you're going to have to deal with or ignore or something like that and I'm always curious like how um, other filmmakers deal with that and how they take it especially if you get kind of like a lot in a row <laughs> you know um, yeah but I guess you just have to find look for your own audience and you have to first of all believe in your yeah believe in your own film and um uh, yeah, don't get discouraged, I guess. And then, and you know, I, we, I was, as I said, I was very lucky to to meet all this uh, wonderful um, contemporary art filmmakers. And uh, even if they're on a very high level of uh, acknowledgement and um, their artistic practice, 
they still deal with rejection on and you know financing their projects it's it's, it's not necessarily getting easier and everybody has a different audience so i guess the yeah you just have to find your audience and don't get discouraged mm. Mm. um so what would you say your uh, favorite part of filmmaking is um, I guess the, uh, uh, being on a set and uh, and um, collective uh, collective energy, collective work, creating this one scene of the film, forgetting yourself into in the in the process. Uh, yeah, so being on the set, I, I'm not I'm not fond of post production because I would like the project to be done and started. <laughs> But uh, um, yeah, I, um, because when I paint my, in my painting, it's very static and lonely process. I'm alone in a studio, whereas filmmaking is dynamic and it's this energy with other people, and uh, and it's the film itself. It's outcome of many talents together and many ideas and many so. That's what I think it's most beautiful about the film, this um, community. Mm. Uh, yeah. And is this something when you're on set making a film, are you, like, how much time do you give yourself in the film to, like, to to shoot something, to make a scene? Like, how rigid are you about schedule? Uh, no, I usually have, like, an assistant director who's supposed to be rigid and tells me <laughs> that I don't have much time and then um, depends on the scene and depends on if, if I need a, if it's complicated camera movement or not or setup or rehearsing and um, I, I, I improvise a lot uh, I have like like I, I treat my uh, script as a skeleton but I'm dressing it up and I'm improvising uh, on the set so yeah. mm. Gotcha. Um, I forgot I wanted to ask this question, so it's yeah. going to sound... It, it, it was supposed to follow the, uh, like, working in a residency and stuff like that. So um, so you've been to the school, now you're going to go to the residency, and, uh, you know, you don't have to get, like, too personal, but is it is it something... Like, how? Do, what is it like to be, like, to constantly, like, be hopping around and part of these programs and stuff? Like, is that difficult? It's super difficult <laughs> because you you feel sometimes that you don't get to rest, but also you get used to it. And then um, it's very interesting because you meet um, very interesting people and um, you get to experience all kinds of cultures and um, situations. But it is it is tiring. Yeah. Mm. But it's worth it. Very much so, yes. Hmm. Mm. Um, so, I guess we will wind down at this point. And sure. um, so you take you take influences from uh, filmmakers you like, but also painting. Is there is there something? Are there any other things, you know, besides real life or whatever that you would say influences you a lot that, like, might not be, like, apparent in your work? Um, well, sometimes the sound, of course, music. Um, I, you know, sometimes I hear something that uh, makes me tick or gives me butterflies and then I investigate that and like with Baba Vanga I had the um, amazing encounter with the uh, film composer no, noise music uh, composer uh, Olga Shemula and I saw her concert in Sarajevo and you know I went that also gave me the inspiration for the film and then uh, I invited Olga to, to be a composer on my film and we uh, we were collaborating. So, yeah, sometimes it's a sound uh, that that uh, triggers the image. So, a studio from 
Los Angeles comes to you and says, we want you to do this uh, big movie. And what do you say? I say how much independence in uh, editing and in directing can I have? <laughs> or because, you know, uh, in the way I work and in the... Uh, in the way, like, my, my films are, like, very much, very personal, very much vision, so I'm not... And I, I heard that the studios from L.A., they have wanted to have a lot of um, control over things and um, you being hired on somebody else's movie. So if they would like to make my film, then yes. <laughs> but otherwise, um, you know, it depends on uh, dialogue and all the other things. Right. Um, but it's not somehow... Um, that's not my like uh, dream. It's not some goal that I'm following. I just want to make films my way and my films, and perhaps I will stay in this kind of art, low budget uh, niche. But perhaps something will happen, and I will get lucky. But that's not important. The film itself is important. Mm. Now, what would you? What kind of general advice would you give to filmmakers that are listening to this right now? <laughs> well, I, I'm, I think that I'm in the beginning of filmmaking still, so I don't know how much advice I can give. But I, that's what I said. Like, just um, make it personal. Believe in your project, because if you don't believe in it, then nobody else will. So that's just conviction and drive and belief, yeah. Yeah, and I'd add to that that people will follow. You know, if they if they see your passion and they're nice people and, you know, they're into the work, like, they will follow and they'll believe it and they'll believe in you and they'll believe in the film, so. Yeah, and you have to be realistic what kind of audience you're making it for. And then I'm realistic. I'm making, you know, slow cinema, so it's just a, a certain amount of audience that will have a heart for it. So and then it makes it okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, totally. I yeah, I do think we forget that. Um, not you, but um, the general we and I do. I I kind of forget that you know, if you're coming in being like, oh, I love you know these filmmakers. I love uh, you know these slow cinema filmmakers or these you know Iranian new wave filmmakers. Um, that audience is still like kind of small, and you know they're masters. So if you're making something. Uh, that's similar to to those filmmakers. It's it might not be up onto their level, which is like almost impossible to get to. But no matter what, the audience is small, so it's best to keep that in mind. And I mean that too to kind of like soothe souls who feel like rejected or whatever, because um, yeah, you have to kind of be realistic about it. And uh, you think of all the people in your life, like how many people know those filmmakers and like those filmmakers so exactly, exactly. but i think that what i experienced is that the, the audience who actually chooses to come and see these films and and respond to that they're just wonderful people who are very uh, who, are, who are very what to say like educated uh, in film and they watch a lot and they saw a lot so they it's like they're sophisticated audience so uh that you know, choose like poetry instead of action. So it is, um, it's awarding to also meet the audience that chooses uh, this uh, non-narrative experimental uh, films. And then you just have to make goal out of it, that to, to to make films and share with that kind of audience, you know. And then you're not getting discouraged and disappointed if a big LA studio is not coming to you. That's that's that's, that's not important. Right. Yeah. Totally. Mm. Um, okay. Yeah. That was awesome. Uh, thanks. thanks again for coming on. Um, if people want to check out more of your work, where can they go? Uh, they can go to Tower Film uh, online platform, and um, then. Uh, they should just wait for me to get other films on uh, <laughs> online platforms. But as I said, I finished my um, Master in Films in 2015, so some of the films are still in festivals and uh, 
waiting to be released uh, uh, yeah, online. You have a website that people can check out? Yeah. I have a website. It's uh, alexandraart.wordpress.com. Uh, uh, and there I share my, it's a blog, I share my um, projects, not only uh, film projects, but also my scenography, my theater, and uh, uh, yeah, future releases and uh, exhibitions and screenings. So it's possible to check it there as well. Okay. And um, if you are listening to this, dear audience, there's also a article that is accompanying it, and I will have the links and all that in there so you could easily click on them without having to type them in yourself. So yeah, I did it for you. Um, so thanks again for coming on and, uh, really appreciate it. Thank you very much for inviting me. Thanks for a conversation. Totally. Okay. Take care. Take care. Well, that was a lot of fun. Thanks again for listening and, um, We had Nadine on a previous show. She is the curator uh, for Tau VOD. And you can check out Alexandra's film and other great films there. It's T-A-O, Tau, hyphen, vfilms.com. That's T-A-O, hyphen, films.com. Please do check that out. You can now do a, a monthly subscription, so you pay couple bucks per month to just be able to watch everything on there and you can still buy films individually just in case you want to test it out um try a couple things before you purchase the monthly um it's great there's a lot of great stuff up there um it's not just slow cinema there's like a lot of cool experimental stuff that you won't see anywhere else so i do say please check it out and please like us on Facebook or facebook.com slash movies. and look let's be honest, you rule I appreciate you coming every time to listen to this, so without further ado, thank you